0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production.
1: Major infrastructure projects are never easy to build. But even still, it's fair to wonder if there's something about the way we're building our rail systems in this country the new light rail train network but on monday morning during rush hour the service already experienced its first delays the train stops running for
0: over an hour leaving commuters hanging edmonton's troublesome valley line southeast lrt has once again gone off the rail the project has been faced with another setback this from the organization's ceo there are 260 non-conformances quality issues That must be rectified.
1: Not surprising given the original 2020 opening date and the delays that followed. Those clips were from Montreal, Edmonton, and then Toronto, all in the past few months. And then of course, there's the big one, rapid transit that has rapidly become a punchline.
2: Nearly four years after it opened, every single train of Ottawa's newest light rail line is in the shop, being checked for a defect it could cause a derailment. We are all disappointed that we do
0: not have a solution that will allow us to safely restore service.
1: As of this Monday, about one month after its latest shutdown, and yeah, there have been a bunch of those, Ottawa's LRT is back up and running. For how long? Nobody knows. How well? Nobody knows. Reliably? It is a decent bet not. So... Is this just me cherry-picking a few headlines, a few unlucky incidents that have come bunched close together? Or are we just bad at building public transit in this country? And if so, why? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings, this is The Big Story. Reese Martin is a former transportation planner He is now the creator of the RM Transit YouTube channel and Substack. Hi, Reese. Hey there, Jordan. Can we start with the Ottawa LRT? We're going to talk about transit in Canada in general, but what the heck is up? with this train line? And I'm going to ask this bluntly because we've covered it in the past on this show. Like, it was just closed for a month after a slight ball-bearing problem. Uh, It doesn't work in the winter in Ottawa. It can't handle big crowds. Have you ever seen a bigger disaster of a transit project?
2: I don't think I I would say a bigger disaster, but I've certainly seen there's a lot of stuff like this that's happened around the world over the years. I think that there's a tendency in any city to kind of... uh, exaggerate the problems. Not to say that Ottawa's situation hasn't been really bad, but there have been, you know, infrastructure project and going bad is a pretty common global uh, phenomenon. And there's certainly been situations in like Europe where they've had crazy situations, like the Berlin airport that was completed, but didn't open for 10 years, for example, or the Dutch high-speed trains that were removed from service after uh, a month and Now the Dutch just don't have high-speed trains. So certainly there have been other kind of crazy situations.
1: Tell me about what may have gone into the planning or execution of the Ottawa LRT project to cause, like when things go wrong like this sort of in bunches, what is that a symptom of?
2: I think it's a symptom of, you know, a more fundamental problem. With the Ottawa LRT, as a sort of observer, the first thing that's suspicious is that it's a, it's an LRT in the first place. Why is that? Well, because the system really looks like a subway, right? You know, you don't have any uh, crossings or so you can't walk across the tracks. There's a tunnel downtown. Uh, it runs every four minutes when it's working properly. That's a lot more like a subway or metro system than, uh, you know, the a sort of a tram line that you, you kind of associate with LRT. And so, you've kind of got this heavy duty service, but with vehicles that aren't really designed to be running like a subway. And that, that's, that's the first thing that kind of sticks out. Like, why was that decision made? And when you look into it, you know, the city was suggested not to do that, uh, not to use these kind of lighter weight vehicles for what's a pretty heavy duty service. And that, that was one of the, the, I think the weak foundations that the whole project was was laid on.
1: How does that happen in terms of like the RFP process or selecting the builder or actually getting it built properly? Like where does something like that, no pun intended, go off the rails?
2: Well, I think it's, it's a matter of sort of institutional expertise, which so many of these transit projects are, right? And when you look at the city of Ottawa, who was kind of running the shop for the O-Train project, you know, there is the existing O-Train that's very different from the the new line that's been constructed. The City of Ottawa doesn't really have expertise building a train line. And so when the City of Ottawa and, you know, maybe assistance from a few consultants put together the specifications and and the contracts, you know, they didn't have the expertise for what to ask for, what things do you need to check so that we can make sure that everything is going to work properly. And so, That's another really weak foundation to build something like this on because these are extremely complicated projects and you want to get the details right. And when you don't, you know, you have an Ottawa LRT situation.
1: And maybe you can answer this because I'm not sure if this is true, but I saw former uh, MP Michelle Rempel-Garner point out that the firm that built this LRT will now also be building a line in Calgary.
2: I believe that the firm that built the first phase of the LRT, because there's the second phase that's under construction. I believe it was SNC-Lavalin, who's built, ultimately, when you look at firms building anything in Canada, you know, it's the same names for any project. There's no, uh, there's not really that many unusual one-off companies doing construction. And so... Is that ideal? Uh, No, not ultimately, but it's not uncommon either. And it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, problems are inevitable. Uh, The same companies have obviously built projects that don't have tons of problems, right? So it's sort of like this doesn't seem to be a factor that is unique to the problematic projects.
1: In general, and I ask this to you from Toronto, where we have a lengthy history of promising and, and not delivering or maybe delivering, but not in uh, anything kind of like an effective time frame. in general, is Canada ambitious enough on transit?
2: I think that's something that's, it's kind of different from province to province, right? So I think Ontario is doing a lot on transit and we can, we can talk about <laughs> how the execution has been less than, uh, less than great, yeah. but Ontario is doing a lot. So I'm pretty happy with that. But when you look at like Quebec or Manitoba, they're doing a lot less. And so I think it depends on where you're looking in the country. But on the whole, we're building about as many big transit projects in Canada as the U.S. is. And we're a tenth of the size. So I think that that could give you a sense for, for how much we're doing. It's a lot.
1: What is going on with Toronto? Talking about we need more subways. I mean, Rob Ford's famous slogan was subway, subway, subways. But transit is clearly a huge issue in Toronto. And yet nothing has seemed to get done what's gummed up the works
2: i don't think that's entirely accurate okay i mean a lot has got done and i think what's important to distinguish is the mega projects haven't got done Uh, like we've rolled out presto we've rolled out the new streetcars new bus terminals new subway stations that's true all of that stuff has gotten done with you know the expected hiccups I think it's the mega projects, you know, the subway extension up to York University, the Eglinton Crosstown. That's where you really see uh, a lot of problems. They're, they've had uh, they've had some serious issues.
1: Can you explain a couple of those issues just for people who aren't uh, in the city so we can kind of get a sense? Because what I wanted to do in this conversation was kind of get a look at if there are commonalities to transit projects that we can see across the country and and get a sense of of if there's a way we can do things better. So where has Toronto run into those big issues?
2: Well, I think uh, that is an <laughs> that is an excellent question. With the Eglinton Crosstown, which is kind of the most famous problem-stricken project. When you look at it, you actually realize you have a lot of the same problems that Ottawa has. For one, it is a basically a subway-style line, but you're using the light rail vehicles and I think my Personal belief is that that's going to lead to problems down the road, but we'll have to see about that. With the construction itself, it's the same situation though. You have Metrolinx, who remember back when the Eglinton Crosstown was started was like 10 years ago, so this is it's been a long time. This they were very new, they hadn't built a big infrastructure project, and so they were also pretty inexperienced, just like the city of Ottawa with the Ottawa LRT. You know, they didn't have a ton of people who had just recently worked on a big subway project who could say, yeah, you know, the contract should include that stipulation and uh, we should build this thing. They they didn't have that expertise uh, in-house, so to speak. And so you have that, that common problem. And what's worse with with the Eglinton situation is that it was originally a city of Toronto project. So, not only was it that you had these new organizations building it, but they were kind of adopting something that other people had made a lot of decisions about already. And so, you know, they might have disagreed about, hey, like maybe we shouldn't put a station there, or maybe the traps should go in a different direction here. But they didn't make those changes because they were just wholesale adopting it from the city of Toronto. And so you just have this morass of, project from one organization adopted by organization that doesn't have experience doing a big project. And it's, a, it's complicated. It has to go under the subway in a few places. So it's not like an easy project to do. It's more complicated than the Ottawa LRT, for example. And so you just, the factors are not lining up for success here. My
0: name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story.
1: I'm going to ask the question that I wanted to make the premise of this episode, and you can honestly tell me if I'm wrong and we will change it. But from a layperson's point of view, over the past little while, as I've looked at the Ottawa LRT and heard about it, obviously living in Toronto, um, Montreal launched a new transit line. And I know things might have improved since then. It didn't go so well on the first day. My title for this episode was going to be, why is Canada bad at building Transit? Is that accurate? And if so, why or why not?
2: I think, again, it would come down to a, a pr- province by province situation. Who does it well? Let's start with that then. Who does it really well in Canada? That's that's a good question. I, I grew up in Vancouver, and I would say Vancouver does it really well. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of somewhat generally known in Canada, like the SkyTrain. You just don't hear that many problems happening with it. And I think what you see in Vancouver is that it's been this slow but steady build out. So the Skytrain started in, in the 1980s. And it's like every five years, they build a new line or they build a new extension. And it's a very consistent flow. And what that means is that you kind of always have people around who worked on the last project and who have an idea of how these things work, what, what they learned from the last one, what the problems were. And that means that you have that institutional expertise that just kind of stays in Vancouver. And because of that, Vancouver's had projects that cost less than other cities in Canada. They've been built more quickly and they've often been built under budget. So it's actually been really successful. And you see that in the ridership. Vancouver has more ridership than cities like Chicago have, despite being a much smaller city. And so it's, I would say, the success story of Canada. It's very different, obviously, as we travel eastward.
1: What about Montreal? I mentioned the new train line open. You've uh, you've ridden that train, as I understand it, from reading your substack. What's it like and how is it in Montreal? Because that is a city that I would think of as having a relatively strong transit culture. Certainly, the metro goes everywhere in the city.
2: Yeah, you're, you're definitely right on that. I think what's interesting about Montreal is this, this kind of split situation. So the actual metro system has not grown a lot. It used to be bigger than Vancouver's system and Vancouver system now extends quite a bit further than Montreal's system. Hmm. The last major extension was in 2007 and they haven't built anything new since then. The new system they have is basically designed to be the Skytrain, but in Montreal. So a lot of the same companies and organizations that built the successful Skytrain projects came to Montreal and built this new project called the REM, which has been built really quickly And really cost effectively. And to put it in perspective, so you can kind of see this playing out, Montreal is finally extending their kind of traditional metro system with a blue line extension, which is going to have five stations. It'll be about five six kilometers long. That project is set to be about seven billion dollars. This other line that they've just started opening, it's going to cost about the same, but it's going to be nearly seventy kilometers long. It's going to have twenty six stations, and so you can see that divide between the kind of the practices that were learned in Vancouver and the practices that are being used in all the other Eastern Canadian transit systems, which are leading to expensive, slow, and often problematic projects, as we've seen with Ottawa and as we might see in other places.
1: Are there enough unique elements to a transit project like that that would prohibit Someone from going out and bringing in experts. You just mentioned that you know Montreal brought in um, a lot of people who have worked on the SkyTrain. Surely there are subway experts or LRT experts that could have been consulted or brought in in Toronto or Ottawa. Like, what is that? Is that just a not wanting to go outside your bubble, or is it that like you also have to be familiar with the specifics of the city and what you're trying to achieve?
2: So I think that's a really interesting thing to poise. and. I think it's a bit of both. So on one hand, Eastern Canada, for whatever reason, as someone who grew up in Vancouver, feels very insular. It feels like people in Toronto uh, and Montreal, they believe that they they don't need to look to the world beyond to figure out how to do things. And you see that in the projects. I think that, as I kind of said, with Ottawa and with the Eglinton LRT, the issue is these are projects that they wouldn't build in Europe. And they probably wouldn't build in the U.S. because the U.S. doesn't build big transit projects in the way Canada does these days. And so you actually have kind of a a hole. There's not a lot of expertise for the type of projects that we're building. At the same time, in Eastern Canada, we're very prescriptive. We kind of say, this is what we're going to build. And we use these P3s and and other construction uh, and procurement methods that are supposed to kind of allow the private sector to say, well, we'd actually build it this way. Uh, and so what we've got is we have this very prescriptive attitude of, we got to put a station here, we've got to use this kind of train. And what it means is that it's very inflexible. When you look at Montreal with this REM project, they kind of just took a model that worked and imported it. But with the Ottawa O-Train and the Eglinton LRT, we tried to come up with our own new thing and implement it uniquely in Canada. And that's really challenging because you've kind of got to reinvent the wheel. And so I think we're kind of seeing the outcomes of those two different approaches playing out. What needs
1: to change to make a difference in terms of that? And and I say this because it's not a thing where you can just like blame one government who screwed it up because this has been an issue uh, in both places over successive governments.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the the interesting opportunity we have is when you look at the big Canadian cities, basically every big Canadian city is building some major transit project. But they're all having to do a lot of stuff independently. There the lessons learned are are kind of stay within the city and the the people building it are kind of siloed. I think it's really interesting to ask the question, why don't we have some sort of national level organization? Because the federal government puts up the money for a third, a half of all of these projects. Why don't we have a team of sort of transit experts or people who've worked on a lot of projects who are at a federal level and who can provide valuable you know insights and direction for projects especially in smaller cities where where they're not building a lot or where they might not be building a project every couple of years so that we don't have these these problems like imagine if when Ottawa wanted to do its LRT this uh, this team of, of federal level transit experts dropped in and said oh no we're we're going to do it this way and we recommend you put the train there and we'll use this technology because it worked in Vancouver or Montreal You just would have a more solid uh, project going on instead of trying to just hire consultants and uh, trying to hire experts, but not having that kind of that resume of projects.
1: So simply what needs to happen is the federal government needs to hire some experts and then the government needs to agree with the province and the provincial government needs to agree with the city. And that always happens in Canadian infrastructure projects, right?
2: Uh, yeah, that, that's that's the problem. But I think I think because so much money is being put up by the feds and the provinces, they have a bit more leverage to kind of to kind of start to form these organizations. So you have that with Metrolinks in Ontario. They haven't been working on Ottawa's projects, but there's a case to be made that, hey, they're building five different LRTs in Toronto. They probably are a bit more experienced than the folks in Ottawa and the city of Ottawa. They should probably be the ones who are kind of deciding a lot of the technical stuff for that city so that you have less problems.
1: Last thing, I do want to hear about your ride on the new uh, Montreal train and also about its day one problems. Tell me what happened, because there is a difference from systemic issues like we're seeing with the Ottawa LRT and like I literally check again before this episode goes to bed to make sure it made it through the day <laughs> or like launching something new and running into a snag or two.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think snags are are pretty standard, the uh, standard issue stuff for transit projects. Whenever I'm riding the Metro in Montreal or the subway in Toronto, it's it sort of feels like a one every 10 rides, you'll have some sort of delay or problem.
1: I'm on three of the last five going home from work in Toronto here, just for the record. <laughs>
2: bad, bad, bad luck. But the question too is, it's about communication, right? Uh, did the thing directly impact you or not? Because I find when you're riding the subway in Toronto, they often announce a delay and you might not actually experience it. It's like a train has stopped on the other side of the line and it's back running in five minutes. But uh, with with Montreal, they did have a problem right at rush hour, which is really not what you want on the first day of service. But it seemed like they got the trains running again an hour later. And I think since then it's been pretty solid. And so I think that's that's a case of seeing how we're testing these things. Are we testing them well enough? Uh, because it does matter. The public's faith in the system is critical. As you can see in Ottawa, you know, it makes me kind of sad because it seems like no one has any faith in Ottawa's transit system now. And can you really blame anyone when the train doesn't really work most of the time? I think for Montreal, the, the proof will be in the pudding over the next few months. Does the system prove itself to be reliable? And if it does, I think it will be a huge win. If it doesn't, then... <laughs> then we, we need to, uh, everyone needs to sit down and say, what's wrong? What is going on in this country? But assuming the system goes well, and I think it will, I think we need to go to Ottawa and Toronto and start trying to learn those lessons so that the next project is better.
1: Reese, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Jordan.
1: Reese Martin, a former transportation planner, currently creator of the RM Transit YouTube channel and Substack. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca if you would like to share your public transit nightmares with us. We're always open to hearing those. Did we miss some massive screw-ups that uh, should have belonged in the intro there? Let us know what's going on in your city or town. You can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can always write us an email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca, and you can pick up the phone and call us, 416-935-5935. The Big Story is available everywhere you get podcasts. If wherever you get podcasts happens to let you like, follow, rate, review, share, do one of those, please, and help us out. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.